0: pod people and welcome to the lemonade budget for champagne social butterflies the aspirational podcast for hopeless people and I am one such hopeless person your host Donna Scott the stand up comedian who has been forced for quite a while now to sit down but is getting stronger by the day and will very soon be standing up again yay how have you been I've not been too bad myself thanks for asking I've had quite a quiet week but it's been a very good week. One of the good things that's happened this week is I've had the table of contents back for an anthology that I'm going to be in called No More Heroes. That's coming out from PS Publishing and it's edited by Ian Waits. And it's got all sorts of lovely people in it. Both the authors and the subjects of their stories. It's called No More Heroes because it concerns the, the year the Annus Horribilis that was 2016. Not just bad for all Brexit kind of reasons, it was also the year in which seemingly a lot of people that we looked up to started dropping like flies. Started with David Bowie didn't it? And it was all kinds of celebrities but for the anthology people have concentrated on the people we lost that year from the world of music. I can't profess to know the music of everybody who's been written about in the anthology, but there are some awesome artists that uh, have been written about here, and it includes David Bowie, Prince, Freddie Mercury, and my story concerns Chris Cornell, who fronted the band Soundgarden and Slave, as well as Temple of the Dog, Alice Mudgarden, bit of a supergroup, and he was just a beautiful man. Still can't quite believe he's gone, when I wrote my story which is called Siren Song it involved plunging myself quite a lot into the grunge scene of the early 90s and sort of like learning a bit more about Chris Cornell's biography and my story is called Siren Song because it there's a lot of the sea in it and you know the, the places that that Chris Cornell would have known in Seattle I mean I've never been there it's just all from research and I found that I couldn't write chris's story either without including his friendship with andrew wood who was the singer in mother love bone and was his friend who died of a heroin overdose in 1990 but it's not a straight piece of biographical fiction no no way it is a piece of work that is heavily inspired by chris cornell and his life and the music and the scene but it's essentially it's it's a piece of fantasy and not that kind of fantasy either. I did say it was a beautiful man, but no, actual fantasy fantasy. And I'm in the anthology with a few of my author heroes as well. Like Storm Constantine, she's in it. And Adam Roberts. And Neil Williamson. And Keith Brooke. And Alison Littlewood. And Tim Leban. Yeah, you yeah, know, the silence Tim Leban. Him. So that's a lovely bit of my literary life that has been going on. It's not had a lot of involvement from me, but it's a thing. I can tell you about it here. That's all good. And, of course, I'm still in recovery, so I've not been out to do any gigs yet, although I have booked my first gig back, and that's going to be in Leighton Buzzard on the 9th of October at the Sun Inn. Woo. But I have been doing quite a bit of stuff comedy-wise this week because I've had a meeting uh, over the phone with all of the group that I'm involved with. You know, the extraordinary time-travelling adventures of Baron Munchausen. And we have got a very, very busy 2020 ahead of us. So you're going to see us at all kinds of festivals. You're going to see us doing museums. Doing museums, not like a heist or anything. No, we're going to actually perform there and things. Uh, We're going to do Edinburgh, of course. And you probably, we might even be going abroad. Ooh, where's abroad? We're going to foreign lands. Uh, Dubai has been mentioned, so I'm very, very happy. But the problem with still being in recovery is that even though I'm getting a lot stronger now, I'm still not quite match fit, and stuff has been going on that I'd have loved to be involved with. Like yesterday, it was the Bardic Picnic, And I have been involved every year. I've gone along and performed every year. I mean, I I was the very first Bard of Northampton 10 years ago, get me? Superstar, I wore the cloak. I got the tankard. I've got a big feather thing. That is my prize as well. Um, And it's the 10th year since I won that prize. And there is the 10th Bard who has been elected in. And that is my, my good friend, Paul Giffney. Well done, Paul. So he, he won the competition, and I, was, I told him he could win it, I told him he could do it, and I wasn't there to blimey see it. It's just a, f- a full day out is still very, very tiring for me, so it would have been too much for me to have gone, even for a little bit, I think. I hope Paul Giffney gets some good publicity for being made Bard Northampton, because I didn't. I got a headline in the Northampton Chronicle which, re- <laughs> which went, Donna proves it's not hard to be a Bard. That's basically saying I'm shit, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, she's won, but she's not very good. It's not hard to be a bard. Or, if the effort there was to show that, you know, they were trying to do a rhyming headline to prove that they could be a bard, but they hadn't intended to say that I was shit, I've just proved it is very, very hard to be a bard and do rhymes. But, you know, I'm doing my best, and, you know, I really shouldn't be doing too much at all. I mean... Even this week, I've had a small chunk of belly button fall off. You know, I said I was unravelling last week and there was a little bit of cotton sticking out and we tried our best to stick, stick it back underneath my skin. Well, that kind of worked, uh, except that skin then fell off, but it did take the cotton with it. <laughs> Good grief. I don't want any more bits of me falling off. I mean, I've had quite a lot of me fall off, as it is. Or actually just been cut out. Here's the thing... We went to Wilkinson's this week, and we got some new scales because we didn't—we haven't had a working pair of scales for months. The last time I got weighed was when I did my MRI scan, and I found I'd put on a couple of pounds, but I did put that down to Eric, my tumor. And I now have these new scales, so I stood on them last week and weighed myself. And would you, Adam and Eve? It—I've lost a stone, which I'm also putting down to Eric, the tumor not being there. Eric was a full blooming stone I mean I knew he was a record baking fake baby but I mean that has got to, that has got to break some records, doesn't it pretty much a stone and I've mentioned this to some people and they've gone ooh well isn't that a good way to lose weight think about it no no it isn't I mean I know some people do do pretty extreme things in the name of weight loss I'm looking at you Louis Schaefer oh Louis Schaefer he's a comedian he's basically cut out most food um he's he's drinking cream. No Louis, no. But you know, as alternative, what I can recommend or don't recommend it whatsoever is growing a tumour that you can then cut out so that you can instantly lose a stone. It's not good guys. Not recommended. Although I am gonna mention anything to Louis Schaefer is Louis Schaefer, what I've done there is I've cut out all my diabetes. Because that's his catchphrase now is you've got diabetes. <laughs> But anyway, having a quiet week has meant that I can get on with reading the brand new Margaret Atwood book, The Testaments, the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. Ooh, it's really good. I'm about three quarters of the way through. There's no clues in it, really, as to how we're going to cope with the whole brexit situation. I'm looking for them. But one thing that's particularly scary about it is... It's just how, like, all of the countries around it st- start sort of, like, treating it like just any other country. <laughs> it's very scary. <laughs> if somebody started a totalitarian regime in the United States, we'd probably just go, well, oh, fine. Oh, I tell a lie. There is a little bit of a Brexity thing in it, in that the United Kingdom is very specifically stated as no longer taking refugees. It won't take any, because it doesn't like immigrants. <laughs> but no, no metaphors for Brexit in the Testaments. There is in the news, though, on the BBC, I've just read that apparently Eurovision is dropping the public vote from our choices for the Eurovision Song Contest. People of Britain, you can no longer be trusted to make a sensible choice regarding Europe. Also in Oh My God, Aren't We Terrible News, apparently the Daily Mail has highlighted that the RNLI, that's the lifeboat people, they have been devoting 2% of their annual spend to helping... People in foreign countries teach their children how to swim, and oh my goodness, why can't they spend 100% of all their money on drowning British people? Why should 2% of our donations end up teaching people how not to drown in other countries, so that we then have to go and help them not drown? (laughs) And this has led to a few people who can best be described as racist and xenophobic, saying on Twitter that they are going to stop donating to the RNLI. Good grief! How petty, stupid and obvious do you want your prejudice to be? I don't think it has ever been more appropriate to say, Get in the sea! So what else have I been up to this week? Well, as I'm trying to get better and stronger, I have to include a little bit of walking in my exercise regime, or what they call it from hospital, the Enhanced Recovery Programme. And so I spotted a thing that was happening uh, this weekend, which was the Harpole Village Scarecrow Festival. So I suggested to Neil that we should go and walk around that. And that could be my exercise for the day. It's not a very big village and it's not not a very big scarecrow festival. And what a lovely sweet thing it is. I don't know if you've ever been to a scarecrow festival. But normally it's like there's like a competition where people try and build the best scarecrow. And then you members of the public have to then go and do little treasure hunts around the streets as well and then somebody comes along and judges the best scarecrow and people go all out crazy over it well it's no different in harpole northamptonshire village harpole is a proper village you've got like some nice posh houses that you expect in the countryside and then you've got a load of not quite so posh houses as well and I must say, it's the not quite so posh houses like the council houses and stuff that were really making a superb effort with the Scarecrow Festival this year. And they were all taking part, and they'd built animatronic scarecrows, and they were they'd had like little dioramas going on with music playing in the background, and it was brilliant. Pretty much, most of the scarecrows were musically themed. So we noticed that there was a bit of a popularity thing going on with the numbers of scarecrows dedicated to each, each individual musician. So it must have been, I think, five Freddie Mercury's, there are like three Bob Marley's, there were three or four Elton John's, and four Ed Sheeran's as well. Though some of the Ed Sheerans were really, really freaky. I mean, one of them just looked like somebody had got Ed Sheeran and hollowed him out and stuffed him full of straw because they used one of the proper masks. Oh, and there were a couple of Elvis Presleys as well, including one that had a full backing band. I think all the Elvis scarecrow makers went, you know, for the latter stage jumpsuit, bit, bit fat, glittery kind of look Elvis, as opposed to the the slim trim and in a in a in a U.S. Army uniform Elvis. Which are a little bit hard to do in in terms of scarecrow, I would imagine. And there was also a few really good ones that um, there was like Beatles Abbey Road, where they had all four of them crossing a, a zebra crossing. And a little bit down the road, somebody done a really good big blue meanie. That was awesome. And there was a Spider Man hanging between, like, over a really wide street between the houses. And there was even a great big giant gingerbread. Scarecrow made out of hay bales. I think the weirdest one was this band, I'm not sure who it was supposed to be. There was a blonde woman in black, somebody in a top hat and an indistinguishable person on drums. I think that was meant to be Fleetwood Mac and the blonde woman on, on singing was Stevie Nicks, but you know, really hard to tell, so maybe maybe it was a super group, maybe it was Stevie Nicks and Slash from <laughs> Guns N' Roses, but you know, I'm not I, I can't really say. My favourite one was the Beyonce one. So it was a really small scarecrow in terms of scarecrow size. I think so that they could make the the blonde curly wig that she was wearing just look massive. And um, she'd got like really knobbly legs made out of American tan tights. And at the bottom of her feet was the bottle of like Tesco value lemonade. Didn't, I know it was referring to the album lemonade, but it confused Neil. I think he thought it looked like Beyonce had been desperate for a piss while she was on stage and just got in a bottle but whoever made the, the Beyonce Scarecrow just wanted us to know how very very serious they were about Beyonce's music because there were little signs all around the lawn in front of the Scarecrow saying 23 Grammys and like 16 million platinum albums or something like that and you know all the facts about how successful Beyonce was so yeah, it's quite funny <laughs> there she was peeing in a bottle I mean, quite frankly, if it didn't have the sign clues around it, I would have thought that it was Christina Aguilera. (laughs) Not, you know, I have pissed into a bottle. You gotta rub me the right way. (laughs) Mind you, it would take quite a lot of skill to piss into a Tesco lemonade bottle, wouldn't it? Normally, if you're going to piss into any kind of bottle, it's best to piss into one of those Paul Masson wine bottles, because they've got the really wide neck. (laughs) Not that I've got any experience of doing such. Well, I've not had an awful lot going on this week besides going to the Scarecrow Festival and things. I mean, the excitement in the street today has just been that I, I got a visitor. Well, it's not really a visitor. It was the guy from Scottish Power coming to read the meter. And I felt a bit bad because to get into our cellar where the meters are, it's a, it's a bit of an obstacle course. And our cellar is damp and horrible and full of clutter. I mean, it just shows how difficult it was trying to get to the meter. Because while he was down there, the meter reader was whistling the theme tune to the A-team. I did say to him as a joke, oh, while you're down there, maybe you can sort of like make something like B. a Baracus wood out of all the stuff down there and then blast a hole in the wall to get out. It might be easier. <laughs> what else have I been up to this week? Oh, I have been playing Cards Against Muggles with people. <laughs> Do you know the game Cards Against Humanity? Well, it's that, except it's got all Harry Potter references in it. So let me tell you, I won the game, which is only natural because I am the comedian. But I have to say it's even funnier when you're playing with people who kind of don't know anything about Harry Potter whatsoever. So some of the references that are, that are on the cards, they don't know what they are, how to pronounce them, and it's just making a guess. So that's quite funny. <laughs> there, of course, the rest of it just relies on making euphemisms out of names like Lavender Brown. But if you've ever played the game, then you know that in order to sort of like do well, then you have to basically target the answers that you give towards the person who is going to do the judging. And after the game has rotated a couple of rounds, that's pretty easy to do, I think. Some people like clever. Some people like smutty. Some people like evil. (laughs) And if you're ever playing with me, you know, I like silly and wordplay. And that's something I've had to bear in mind this week because, you know, I mentioned last week that I was going to be submitting some material to BBC's Newsjack. Well, you can all do that as well, by the way. It's not just comedians. You can have a go. I mean, I think I have a feel for what they want, but at the same time, I'm also sort of like half trying to write what I think is funny. So sometimes I have things in there that are funny. Sometimes I think that are targeted very very specifically in Newsjack. I'm part of this online group who all submit every time and then we sort of like have a look at each other's entries when we've uh when we've submitted and do a bit of critiquing afterwards as well and I normally come out pretty well out of the critiquing I know I am good however this week my first go at putting things through for Newsjack and everything is rejected que sera, sera. but I thought you know what I'll do is I will not just share my jokes with my online community, but I'll share it with you guys as well. And then that for me is gonna be extra pressure to make sure that everything I submit is actually funny and not just throw away and trying to make up the numbers. If you know what I mean. So yeah, you guys are guinea pigs too. Right, so I'll start with one liners. And this time when we submit one-liners, there are two sections that are open. There's breaking news and then there's good week, bad week. So I can do my breaking news like proper news stories. So what I advise you do is go and have a listen to Newsjack, and listen to the kind of things that they've picked and then come back here, if you will, and have a listen to these. Or listen to these and then go and listen to Newsjack and see if you think they were a good fit or not. Or were they indeed better? So here is my breaking news. Deselected Tory MP Philip Hammond begs Boris Johnson for a job in toilet training his new puppy so that he can retain his nickname, Spreadsheet Phil. MPs have voiced their suspicions that Tory senior adviser Dominic Cummings may not be a genius just because Benedict Cumberbatch played him on TV like Sherlock Holmes. Concerns were first raised when Cummings was seen staggering round the House of Commons, smashed out of his mind palace. Exam chiefs have called for a ban on all watches in exam rooms due to the rise in use of smart watches which can be used for cheating. It's also very distracting when some students get up at 10 to the hour to get in their 250 steps. Uh, see, when it comes to breaking news, I like all of mine, although I'm aware that the second one is way too long. It's getting it smaller, getting it smaller. All right, the second part of my one-liners is going to be my good week, bad week. It's been a bad week for motorists after a lorry-carrying gin spilled its load and shut down the M6. It's been a good week for Lidl, who have brought out a new range of inorganic gin with notes of gravel and tarmac. It's been a bad week for BA, as strike action at British Airways threatened thousands of flights. It has been a good week for BA from the A-Team, as he really didn't want to get on that plane. It's been a bad week for the UK labour market, after senior economist Ruth Gregory said, Some small cracks are starting to appear. It's been a good week for fans of Builder's Bums as we have heard some small cracks are starting to appear okay so I wasn't so keen on my good week bad weeks i think the first one is very news jacky but news um but i've kind of geared it more towards them that's not really my kind of humor at all but i've i've tried to write for the kind of thing that they would do <laughs> um and the ba one i i wrote was kind of silly but I thought they might like some kind of silly. Sometimes they like silly. You're also allowed to submit two sketches per week as well, except I always have a lot of TV to watch. So this week I've only submitted one sketch. And I'm surprised it wasn't a topic that was covered by anybody in Newsjack at all. The only thing I could say is that Newsjack did do a sketch. Featuring Boris Johnson and had a similar sort of style to it in in terms that it was a, a pate newsreel. So this is me doing my pate newsreel type sketch, but bear in mind it's only me doing this. Normally there'd be like a cast with doing all all the voices and some of them are quite good impressions. So I was hoping that somebody there would do a good Boris Johnson. So the end voice is me trying to do Boris Johnson. I'm not very good. I'm no Steph Todd, but I do my best. It's September, which means the kids have gone back to school, there's a new season of Strictly, and of course it's time to pack your emergency grab bag. What's this you ask? What am I supposed to need for emergencies beyond tea and chocolate hobnobs? Well, a government campaign called 30 Days 30 Ways says September is the ideal time to start thinking like Bear Grylls in the zombie apocalypse. And it just happens to coincide with the Get Ready for Brexit campaign, so that's not worrying at all. Sounds like Project Fear, travel edition. Don't worry, have rucksack, we'll not have to fight your neighbours for basic supplies. And this all begs the question, what's going in your Brexit
1: grab bag? UK citizens, how prepared are you for a no-deal Brexit? Do you have your grab bag at the ready? Yes, we're ready. Jolly glad to hear it. Now, let's see, madam. I trust you have such things in your bag as bottled water and a change of socks. Oh, no. I was told to pack things I might need in case of a no-deal Brexit. Only my medicine for depression is already in short supply, so I've had to pack an alternative. Which is? Look inside. It's... er... it's empty. No, it's not empty. i reach inside and it's... uh, a hog. And do you feel better now? Not really. And you, madam, what have you packed in your bag? My goodness, it's very heavy. Full of tinned food, I imagine. Not quite. My goodness, it's. Yes, it's a waitress. You have an entire waitress in your emergency grab bag? Only for essentials. The rest I'll just get from Harvey Nicks. Very handy, being a disaster capitalist. I don't have to worry about not having anything. I see. Not got any morals in the bag? Absolutely none. And you, sir? What have you packed in your bag? uh, I've got plenty of good stuff in the bag, I can tell you. I do not want a no-deal, far from it. But should the unlikely situation arise, there's sustenance aplenty in this haversack of mine. Oh, no, my good woman, don't open it. (laughs) What's this? It's a folder stuffed full of Boris Johnson's proposal for a deal to leave the EU. You mean you had this on you the whole time? Uh oh my goodness. Some of you look really angry. I'd better run away now. Woof. There's good job there are plenty of proper emergency grab bags around. Aye, That's mine! Madam, count yourself lucky. That's cereal for of Boris Johnson. At least he's only still in a hug this time. <coughs>
0: Right, I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> As I say, it's just a bit of silliness from me. And I think that's a good place to leave the podcast now. Um. So by the time you listen to this, the podcast should also be available on Spotify. So that it's going to be available in three places now, Podbean, iTunes and Spotify. So if you could do me a favour, if you could give me a like if you're on Podbean, or if you're on iTunes, I'd really appreciate a, a lovely five, maybe a four, not a three, star rating. And just tell everybody you know about my podcast and tell them, if you, if you like a particular episode, gear them towards that one. It might not be this one with all my jokes, but just tell, tell all your friends about my podcast, please. And that's me for this week. I've been Donna Scott and I'm signing out. You've been listening to The Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies with Donna Scott. The music was It Looks Like the Future But It Feels Like the Past by Dr Turtle.